Welcome to episode 68. As always, you can find the podcast on the web at enterprisehardcorepodcast.com. You'll find all the social media and streaming information there. As always, make sure you give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Enterprise Hardcore Podcast and on Twitter at Podcast Hardcore. Uh, thanks to everybody who's been supporting the Patreon so far. Uh, I'll post a link in the show notes. Uh, like I've been saying the last few episodes, just trying to do a little bit of equipment upgrade and start doing some live stuff with the podcast as the weather is starting to get nicer. Got a bunch of stuff coming up. Uh, I'll post the stuff on the website soon, but we're going to be doing two episodes per week for the for the foreseeable future here. Uh, as this episode debuts uh, tomorrow in Rochester, it'll be Integrity, uh, Deal with God, and a bunch of other bands at Photo City. Uh, check that out if you're able to. A bunch of other good shows coming up. Uh, so yeah, this is episode 68. Uh, I feel like my guest tonight has kind of come up in conversation in previous episodes and like other other uh, bands that I've talked to, his band has been playing with. So I kind of want to get him on and just kind of get the vibe on his band, what they've been up to. So we're going to be talking to uh, Brandon from uh, uh, Pure Bliss. Uh, how's everything going for you tonight, man? I'm great, dude. Brought up in other conversations. Oh, shit. <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like Dylan brought you guys up because I was asking about the local scene. I don't I don't know if he was like mentioning you by name per se, but like you know he mentioned you're an up, up and coming band. And then I interviewed um, uh, Kendall from Heavy as the Head, and I know you guys played some shows with them. Oh, too. yeah, yeah, so, yeah, very recently actually. Yeah, so once I start connecting dots like that, I'm like, oh, I might as well just uh, connect them all the way at that point. You know what I mean? So sure. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely want to talk about Pure Bliss because it seems like you guys have been doing a bunch of shit lately, but um, I like to kind of go on a timeline. So let's kind of start from the beginning and just kind of like tell me about your upbringing and what kind of brought you into like the, the heavy music scene, I guess. Sure. So I uh, I grew up in Auburn and uh, when I was a kid, Auburn always just had like a really good scene. Even when I was in, man, as, as young as like middle school, high school, I just remember there was always shows. We had the Auburn Public Theater that was always having awesome shows. Uh, we had Booker T. Washington. It was just this giant gymnasium. I remember bands like If Hope Dies would play back in the day, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I would go out and uh, see those guys who just really loved it. You know, I didn't. I, I sort of just jumped right in with uh, the shows back then were a little crazy in Auburn. I feel like you just had to dive head first, and it was just insanity. And I loved it. I loved every second of it. Um, so I went out and I begged my parents to buy me just this like cheap, shitty little hundred whatever dollar Ibanez from Guitar Center just so I could like try being in bands. So the first band that I sort of jumped into, man, I had to be 14, 15 years old. I was in this band called Seven Days Left. Uh, it was me, just a couple of guys I just met and we were just playing awful, awful, trying to be hardcore music. And they were a band for a little bit before I jumped in. And the very first show that I played with them was in Oswego. And I, again, was maybe like 15 years old. It was us, CDC, Years Spent Cold, uh, I believe Rhinoceros, and a couple other bands. And I remember just being like, what the fucking hell is this? This absolute insanity. To this day, one of the craziest shows I've ever been to. It was just I, those shows back in the day where, you know, the hardcore kids would go and then some of the Oswego college kids would go and it could get a little bit weird sometimes. So I remember doing that and just falling in love with it. And I just wanted to play in bands and go to shows. 
I had a slew of playing in some really shitty sort of like metal bands or whatever that didn't really do anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, in Auburn, it was hard not to be into hardcore, you know, like, cause it was just everywhere. Kids in scores, you know, kids you wouldn't even think were into hardcore with love and hardcore. So very easy to get into. Yeah, it's crazy. I feel like the era you're talking about was like mid 2000s. And I, and I remember like there were some shows that were pretty out of hand. Uh, a, a few times I went to a few in Buffalo where there was like at least once at that skate park, like the kids and the bouncers got into a fight. Um, oh, and yeah. just tons of well, extreme shows. wheels. Yeah, exactly. Extreme wheels. Yeah. Just tons of other crazy shit. And I definitely want to point out like the I'm glad you mentioned the Auburn scene. I, I think I, I knew you were from there. Um, the, the, the community center place you're talking about, as you, I'm sure you're aware, the, the second uh, what became known as Hellfest was held there in the late 90s. Yeah. And uh, some friends of mine, I actually ended up riding bikes there from Rochester. We were probably like 17 at the time. So I definitely have, yeah. fond, I have fond memories of Auburn as a teenager and, and being at those shows. I actually posted a picture recently because I interviewed my friend Jeff uh, Lasich, who's from he lived in Syracuse for a little while. But anyways, he, he posted some pictures. And he sent them to me, so I posted some from that fast recently. Um, and if hope dies, obviously they, they they were they were you know around the area at the time or a few years later. But I, I booked them a couple times here, and they uh, one of those guys ended up be, ended up in the band The Red Death, and I had them on here recently too. So oh nice, yeah. Again, like I was saying at the beginning of the interview, there's always just so many connections with all these conversations it's always like six degrees or less of separation for everybody it seems like oh especially around here everyone knows everyone i bought my house from the if hope dies old guitar player like everyone everyone knows everyone you know uh yeah it's funny so i as i got into it as a kid i remember hearing about health fest and hearing about all these crazy shows i'm 28 so i definitely was not you know around for all that I remember hearing just the crazy stories about all that. And it's cool. Like I have to see if I can find those pictures you were talking about. It's it's cool to see that stuff. Yeah. Like that's, that's one of my favorite parts about like the internet and everything is like, aside, like when you get past all the bullshit and the arguing and shit, you know, there's like some kind of cool shit on there about like with like archival shit or whatever, you know what I mean? Especially for hardcore. Sure. So you see um, all those, uh, what's like I returned to the pit is always posting those real old, like, yeah, that one's wearing cargo shorts down to their ankles, like early 2000s shows. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So kind of sticking with that, I guess. Um, so I guess you ended up doing a couple of bands from what it sounds like. And then uh, were you were you like playing instruments in bands up until you, you did you did Meth Mount or did you eventually decide you wanted to be a vocalist for bands? So I just played in like a couple of whatever nameless, never even played a show type bands where I played guitar. And then when I was 18, so about a decade ago now. Uh, there was this band called Fortress. There were some guys that I had just known from Auburn. I'd known them forever. And um, one way or another, whether it was through me talking shit or not, remains to be told. Uh, I ended up jumping in and playing bass for that band uh, sort of partway through. Um, so I did that. We never really went out and did too much. We played a lot locally. We played a lot at uh, Westcott Community Center when they were still doing shows here and there. So from there... Uh, that was maybe a year or two. We played out in Rochester. Uh, Sage booked us at uh, One Favor Street. Once we played there with Represent uh, years ago. And then we played at uh, that arcade, what was it, Minahans, I think is what it was called. It was like the arcade venue crossover. There was like go-karts in the back. Uh, he booked Beatdown Fest there a few times. And we had played one or two of those. So like in that time period, which was fun. Uh, then once that fell apart, myself and a couple of the other guys from that band actually started a band called Goon. And that's where I started uh, singing because I sang Goon. 
And uh, all, anyone only knew us because we covered Since the Flood. So we were just a fun band. Uh, <laughs> so I did that for a little bit. And then uh, during that time period, I, I was like sort of working a, a more fun job than anything else. And I was doing the band and everything. So I decided I wanted to go back and like go to school and try to be responsible. So I stopped playing in Goon. I went to uh, BOCES and I did an electrical program for electrical construction. And during that, I was like, this sucks. I'm a young guy. I'm like, I want to fuck around and be irresponsible for just like a little bit longer. And that's when I had started piecing together Meth Mouth. And uh, Meth Mouth was definitely like the uh, band I was able to really like grind my teeth with, really like get do the whole band thing. Yeah, I was gonna say you guys definitely made a name for yourselves because like I I don't know if I if I ever because I know you guys played here a bunch. I, don't, I can't remember if I saw you guys in any shows here, but I mean I know then going back to the six degrees of separation and connecting the dots, like early on on the podcast, like half my guests were are, are bands that are, that are or were on Irish Voodoo, so. There's another oh sure yeah another connection because I feel like you guys were like one of the earlier bands on that label though right because that was like like 2015 ish so we, we got on it I believe in 2015 or 16 yeah because our buddies in Concrete were on it and uh, they're good friends of ours I remember I was talking to them and the guy who was uh, sort of managing us at the time at the time was my buddy Sean and Sean knew Joey who like ran Irish Voodoo. And he had pitched us to him and he was like, we were so grateful for it, man, because as much quote unquote success as Methbuff had, we didn't know what the fuck, you know? So it was just nice that he took us and he helped us out with like distribution. He like helped us out getting all these like CDs and pins, like all the shit that we needed. So yeah, Irish Voodoo was great, man. That Those dudes helped us out tremendously. And it was funny too, you talk about that degree separation uh this dude eddie who used to help out with irish voodoo hit me up out of nowhere and he only heard my name through you know meth help and stuff uh come to find out we're like sort of cousins and he just uh worked for irish who like we had never even really met before that it was funny so yeah definitely a small world amongst hardcore <laughs> yeah that's that i like to say that on here a lot only in hardcore like there's so many things that you you wouldn't find anywhere else i feel like now right with Methmouth, though, you guys did quite a bit of touring too, though, right? Or was it mostly like like week or two, like on the East Coast? Or? Yeah. So we did some bigger stuff. Um, I believe it was in 2015. We went out and because none of us, God, who was even in that? Yeah, none of us really toured before. And so in 2015, we started booking little two, three days, just sort of feeling it out. One of the first times we ever went out was with... Uh, this band Misgiver and this band Bungler, who are both awesome. And they're just good friends of ours. We went out, I think we did, uh, did like Delaware, somewhere else, Virginia Beach, just a real quick, like bang, 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 came back. And we all came back and we all were like, yeah, that was fucking awesome. Like as much as it really wasn't, we sort of played the two or three people in the basement and there was like almost all this drama in Virginia Beach and stuff. We were just hooked. So through the next summer in 2016, uh, Sean Mott, who was our like managing guy and booking guy, um, we're like, dude, we want to like, we want to do this. We want to go out and have fun with this. So it was in that summer of 2016 where uh, we went out initially for, I believe about a week and a half, maybe two weeks with uh, this band Artisan from Albany and uh, this band Grim State from Ohio. 
And that was our first one where we really fucking went out there. We like went all the way through the Midwest and down through Texas and back. I saw you had Rich Thurston on here. That's where I met Rich was out in Ohio and stuff when we were on that run. Uh, yeah, that's like when we really started to hit it off. And then through that summer, uh, we really, we, <laughs> we would do a couple weeks on, maybe a few weeks off, back out for a couple weeks, few weeks off. So we definitely did do quite a bit. We hit the road as much as we possibly could. Did you all like just have like part-time jobs at the time then? Cause it seems like if you're doing like on and off like that, it's, it's not quite full-time, <laughs> but like, it's, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, the jobs were kind of a funny thing. I don't really know what a couple of the guys would do. And I believe that Jordan wasn't really working a whole lot or he was like between jobs or whatever. Uh, Cliff, the guy who was playing bass, he just fucking kept quitting jobs. <laughs> you would work for a little bit, quit, go on tour, pick something else up. I was working in a call center at the time. I was doing billing for AT&T and I was fucking miserable. But the bar there was so low and I was just one of the competent guys. So every time we went to go out of town, I would go up to my boss and I would say, Hey, sorry to do it to you, but I'm going to leave for a couple of weeks. <laughs> like I don't expect PTO or anything. You can either have me back when I'm back or you can fire me while I'm gone. Just let me know. And every time I left, I was able to come back. There was a couple of tours I did have to sit out. Uh, because of the whole job thing, which still I'm still kicking myself in the ass for. But that one summer, we were all able to swing it. Uh, we even we did some shorter ones that summer too. Like in uh, I believe it was in June of 2016, we went out with that band Lionheart from California, and because uh, they were breaking up as every hardcore band does for a couple months at a time, and uh, they came over. We went up to Canada with them for a few days, played with Madball up in Toronto. Uh, that was a fun one. Uh, so yeah, we, we, we sort of took the job thing on the fly as much as we could. I think our guitar player was working at Olive Garden, so it was fine. Now with you guys like touring consistent like that, were you guys ever drawn like any more like label interests, like any like more like well-known labels or anything with that band or? So we definitely wrote out Irish Voodoo as much as we could. And we, he was like doing everything that we wanted. Like we were very grateful for his help and he did everything we could possibly need from a label, but we did sort of get to that point, not because we were dissatisfied or anything, but where we just wanted to shop around for a bit. And I believe we got together like uh, at EPK and sent it around a little bit, but right when we got to that point was right when shit really started to hit the fan for us. So it, I was like talking to a couple of people and I don't really want to like name drop too much or anything because it didn't really go anywhere, but there was some potential for some movement onto some other labels, but it was it, not really anything that we could have called an almost, you know? And was there like a gap in time at all, I guess, between that and, and pure bliss or, or did you kind of just like jump from, from that to the other? So pure bliss was kind of funny. So we did meth mouth, meth mouth broke up. I was in a band called Eternal War for a very, very limited, like we played five or six shows. We went up and played four shows in Canada with Lifeless, uh, just on like a fun little weekend. And then like a few shows heading down south with that band Shame Spiral and a couple others, I can't remember. But besides that, it was like a very limited thing. And that was 75% of the dudes that were in Meth Mouth anyway. So I had that for literally a few months. And then we tried Meth Mouth again and I, there was a little bit of time between Pure Bliss is actually 
like the culmination of that is maybe like three years old at that point. So my buddy, Ron, who plays guitar in Pure Bliss with me, he's a dude I've known most of my life. Uh, when Methmouth broke up the second time, I was just in this dude's inbox, nagging him and nagging him. I'm like, let's do a band, dude. Like, you're such a good guitar player. Yes, he he's not really like a hardcore guy. He was in this shoegaze band called Trench a few years ago. And it's like, I don't even know how to describe shoegaze. It was fucking shoegaze. And uh, I was like, no, but I know you can do it, man. I'm like, I'll send you these bands. Like, we'll figure it out. And so it was pre-pandemic. So 29, so three years ago now, just fucking crazy to think about. We started getting together and just bouncing riffs off each other. And we probably wrote, saved in a Dropbox and threw out over a dozen songs. Like we were just writing and writing and then making it better and then sort of figuring out what we wanted. Because initially... I was just like, oh, I really want to just like rip off like these like melodic sort of like the beautiful ones, misery bands that do that melodic sort of like uh, actual chord picked hardcore pretty well. And it's just like there were so many different iterations. So there was a little bit of time between Methmel, but not really as much as it seems because we were just like writing stuff and throwing it out and writing more. And we didn't really have a full band until maybe a couple months into 2021 because the demo came out in September and that was only three songs. So yeah, it was a good like year and a half of just writing me and him. So I guess kind of backtracking to you playing guitar and bands in the past, then you kind of have a feel for like how you want this shit to sound and you kind of like throw your ideas in for riffs too, or, or is it mostly the dude, the, the Ron dude? So uh, Ron's great. Ron does a lot. Uh, I feel like I can always have really cool ideas in my head. I haven't touched a guitar in years and years and years. Uh, I will literally send voice memos and be mouthing the riffs. <laughs> it's like, hey, man, if you could just decipher this into something good. I have a very embarrassing folder on my phone of all videos of me. 90% of them are me driving my car in traffic, just <laughs> mouthing riffs. I get caught at the gym all the time. If I come up with an idea, I'll just like mouth it into my phone. I look like a psycho. Um, but the, a lot of it is that. And then he'll take it and he'll sort of make it cohesive, you know, and go from there. But it is a lot. The other guys do contribute to the writing. Obviously, the drummer writes all his parts and stuff. So I don't know shit about that. But Ron and I do shoulder a lot of the writing and stuff. And a lot of it does come about that way. So how did you piece together the rest of the band, I guess, before you guys like started playing shows and everything? Danny, the guy who plays bass, um, is a dude that both of us has known forever. Super nice kid. And uh, Ron is the one who brought him up initially. He's like, oh, you know, like this dude, super nice. I'm sure he can tour. Um, so we hit him up and he was an easy get. Like that was Kate. Initially, the kid who played drums in Trench is a super nice kid named Dan. And we really, really wanted Dan to play drums because he's insane. But he's always sort of, he's like into music, out of music. He does a lot of other stuff. He's like streaming and YouTube. And he's got such a full plate that we, it got to the point where we want him in the band so bad. We just made a group chat and put him in it. And he finally looked at it. He's like, guys, I'm really sorry. He just left the group chat. So we're like, all right, we'll, we'll take the hint at that point. So Tom, the guy who does play drums, is a guy that I've known for years. He was in this band called Head Splitter from Binghamton and Methmouth who played with a bunch of times. And I, another guy who I've just been nagging and nagging to try to play music with. And finally, I just threw the Hail Mary pass. And I was like, Tom, if, like, if you do this with us, 
Ron and I are writing these awesome songs, man. Everything's so smooth. I'm like, I guarantee you that we can put this together. We can tour. It's going to be a fucking blast. Like zero pressure, zero like dumb businessy bullshit. I'm like, it's just going to be fun. And so he actually lives in Reading and we convinced him to drive up and he came all the way up because we practiced right in Syracuse. He's got about a two hour drive and he jammed with us one time and he's like, all right, fuck yeah, let's do it. And then Ron and I had basically had, we put out that three song demo last, uh, the end of last year, we had like five or six songs done. Like even some of the stuff that's on the recent stuff we had done. And so we were just feeding it to these guys. We're like, please. Yes. Like now that we got you, please stay like, here's these songs. Um, so we, it was, it was fairly easy to piece the rest together. Now we have another guitar player too, this kid Damon, uh, cause Ron couldn't do this recent tour with us and Damon filled in. He did such a great job. It like, didn't feel right when we got back to be like, all right, man, we'll talk to you never. So we, uh, now he's in the band too. And then the other thing I was noticing that was pretty crazy is that like, you guys played, I don't know if I'd say a bunch, but at least a few shows before you actually played Syracuse too, right? Oh, yeah. So we've, at this point, we've only played Syracuse once. Uh, it was that Life of Agony show. It's the only time we played Syracuse. Uh, we, let me check really in the fourth quarter here. Nope, didn't get the text back yet. We might have one coming up. I can't, there's a 98% chance we're playing it. I'll say that it's already announced is at the loss and it's fucking cool. But yeah, I mean, so I'm always a much bigger fan of like getting out of town anyway, because that's half the fun for me. We had opportunities to play Syracuse. It just unfortunately didn't work out until like I would have jumped out a window if we had to say no to Life of Agony. So we made that one work, which is nice. Yeah, that's definitely cool. You guys were able to play that. How was that show? Uh, it was fun. Turnout was a little weird but it was at a weird time it was you know right when covid was flaring up again obviously loa is kind of like an an older crowd so you know older people got to worry a little bit about covid and stuff it was fine we had fun i got to see life of agony for free i could give a shit pass and doggy dog even though they didn't have the saxophone player which broke my heart a little bit but it was it was fun yeah. So yeah, like we were going, going back to, like we were saying that you guys kind of hit the ground running then. Like, I know you did a tour in January. Were there, was there any other touring uh, aside from that uh, so far? So, so far that's been our big one. We played out of town a little bit uh, back in November. We went and played Brockton, Massachusetts uh, with back of the neck and Colin of Arabia, which was a fucking blast. Like probably top five shows like I've ever played in my life. It was so much fun. Ron and I both got COVID, but, you know, worth it, <laughs> worth it, I guess. Um, yeah, we, we did a little bit right out, the, right out the gate. We had a lot more lined up that unfortunately started because COVID flared up again. That We definitely hit the ground running once the EP came out, not to the extent we were trying to. Um, but now we're booking now. I want to get a couple more tours set up for the summer. We have, um, a, we're playing a fest in Virginia Beach in August. So I'm trying to book down a few routing dates and stuff, probably make that like a week there and back or so. So right now that was our big one, but hopefully by the summer we'll have at least two or three more. And I know you were referencing with Methmouth, you you kind of have like a guy who was helping you with like management and booking and stuff. Like, is this all kind of DIY right now for Pure Bliss? Like you're doing it all yourself or? So we do have a guy that helped us out with the tour that we just did. My buddy Ty in Florida, um, who actually sang in the NoCo band that we went out with. They did like four days of that run with us. 
Um, he was huge in getting that other tour put together. Cause I feel like I'm the guy that knows everyone. Like I know promoters all over the place, but I fucking hate having to talk about money and do the whole like fucking shows thing. So Ty took care of all that, which is great. Uh, as for this new stuff coming up, uh, I, I locked in the fest and I'm trying to do the routing dates myself, but there's like a 90% chance I'll cave and text Ty and see if he'll just do it for us. I don't know if we're officially on any roster or anything. We might be. I think it's a no love agency. If we are on it, I'd hate to not plug it and sound like an asshole, <laughs> but uh, it's DIY ish right now. Even he is pretty. It's, it's a DIY group effort for sure. And it sounds like touring is a pretty like high aspiration. And from what you said, like even going into the band, like have you talked to any other bands about like going out with them or anything yet or anything like that? Yeah. So I, whenever I make friends with the band, it's like the first thing that I even bring up. It's not obviously announced yet, but a heavy is the head. We're going to do a few days with them this summer. Uh, Cause we hit it off with those guys. So definitely that uh, the routing dates down to that fast in August. There's a couple bands I've been talking to about that. Nothing. I hate to like name drop and have it not happen, but um, yeah, there, there's a few Definitely, I've bugged uh, Deal With God about going out and playing some shows with us, too, hopefully. So, I mean, if we can piece together a little weekend with them. Basically, I'm, I'm always down to tour with anyone, man. Like, that's my favorite part of doing this is just going out on the road. So, hopefully, by the summer, we'll have it panned out a bit more. And you guys, the, the, new, re- the new release, the EP, what, what's it? Uh, a, second of, a Second of Grief, Life of Regret? Yep. Now, have both of the things you recorded been recorded at, at Moore? Yeah, so we did both of them at Moore Sound, both of them with Casey at Moore Sound, um, which is fucking awesome. Like, I can't recommend those guys ever, ever enough. Um, the first one we had mixed by Steve in Moore Sound, too. We had it mixed and mastered in-house. Uh, this recent one, I had my buddy Trey. He sings for a band called Mouth for War. Uh, he was in a band called Bruise a few years ago that people may know. Meth Mouth had played with them a million times. Uh, he mixed it, and he had a guy that he used for mastering and everything. So there's a little bit of a different sound between the two. Uh, I think the more recent one is more the direction we want to be in. It's a little more kind of grittier sounding. So, yeah, but definitely both were tracked at more sound both times. I mean, it's definitely heavy as fuck. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> thanks, man. Right? I mean, it definitely reminds me of like early two thousands. You know what I mean? Like, like a lot of a lot of mosh. You know, like I could. I, I was, I was trying to check out a video. There's like a video. Of, I'm sure you've you've seen it. There's a video you guys playing on YouTube, uh, from one of the early shows. And I was trying to watch it while I was uh, getting myself ready for the interview earlier. And I, I I can just imagine like kids going off. You know what I mean? So it has a response. I think that was. Yeah, if it was the full set, I think that was the Brockton show. I'm pretty sure that's the one uh, it was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, it's actually funny. We, that was obviously before we recorded Second of Grief, because that was pretty recent. Uh, we played, like, early versions of a lot of the Second of Grief stuff there, uh, which is just funny how much that we slapped that fucking EP together to get that thing done. But yeah, the reactions were pretty good. Even on tour, the turnouts on tour were great. The reactions were great. Uh, there was a kid singing along and shit, which I'm such a big sucker for, man. Like, I go nuts for that. Um, so it's it's been good. Like, we really haven't, like, knock on wood or whatever, but besides a couple sort of bunk-ish turnouts, we really haven't had – we haven't had any shows where people just look at us like we got three heads, which has been really nice. Because I had that a lot, you know. 
you walk into a venue and your band name has meth in it. You get that sometimes. So it's nice to not have that so much with this one. Yeah, this name's definitely easier on the on the eyes. You got no fucking you... idea, man. <laughs> Trying to sell shirts that have the word meth on them that you yeah. need to sell so you can put gas in the van. It's uh, you sort of put yourself on hard mode for no reason at all. <laughs> yeah, you you picked a much better name for merch purposes for this band, that's for sure. Yeah, thank fucking god. <laughs> um, any plans to to like release the EP physically, or like to, again going back to the label thing? I guess have you have you tried to reach out to any labels or anything yet, or? So not any labels with this one. Um, I sort of have aspirations with I I would ideally like to write an LP after this one. Uh, even though I know like the attention span of hardcore kids isn't really like conducive to an LP, but hopefully we'd like to bang out an LP and like then start shopping labels at that point. Um, physical releases for the EP, we we talked about doing CDs, but they're just so hard to push. Uh, so we might throw it on a tape. We did the uh, demo on a tape, and that's been just something nice to have on the table for a few bucks. You know, just nice and easy. Uh, vinyl probably whenever anyone can get vinyl, <laughs> we'll try to get some vinyl. Uh, I have friends that put out releases on vinyls, have to wait six, seven months. So it just seems ridiculous to even think about it at this point. So as of now, it's just a uh, hard maybe. <laughs> yeah, the vinyl thing that I hear about it all the time, obviously talking to bands on here and it's just it's just crazy to think about. Like It's that. insane. We, we had asked, uh, we had, and it was, it was seriously like six, seven months or something realistic turnaround. Then you have to pay up front. So you're just out all this money and then you might get it down the road. And we, when we get a bit more established and we know we can flip those easily, probably then. Yeah. For now, it's just, we're sort of taking our victory lap, even getting that EP out. It came out by the skin of our fucking teeth. So we'll tackle that when we get to it. Yeah, it seems like with like the like, like tour cycles or whatever the term you want to use is like waiting half the, the tour cycle or whatever for the LP doesn't really seem to be all that conducive to being successful on the road, you know? Right, right. It's tough to uh, tough to plan that. Yeah. Any uh, heavy or important uh, lyrical inspiration coming for you from for the EP or for anything <sighs> coming up or anything? Or lyrically, the the EP. Well, I guess. The demo was just stuff that I'd been floating around for a long time. Some of that was meth bomb lyrics I didn't use, just like little one-liners I put together or whatever. Uh, for Second of Grief, um, back when we were writing that, back in, because we started writing that immediately after the demo came out. A couple of the songs we already had done. Uh, so we immediately started getting that together. And during that time, I was just going through like, you know, COVID's been tough on everyone. That's been stressful. Like, there's a lot of life stuff. I'm a giant wuss. So a lot of girl stuff too on top of that. Uh, so I, it was just, the, the EP for me was a big outlet uh, as where I was just in like a really, really shitty place in my life. So it was just nice to, I'm pretty good at taking that and like putting the pen to paper and making it cohesive. Because my favorite bands are always, really lyric heavy bands anyway like i love like blacklisted modern life is war stuff like that american nightmare shit like that that's always very like lyrically heavy um so those guys i feel like band wise would definitely be my biggest lyric influences um but as far as the actual lyrics themselves just like being violently depressed for a few months <laughs> really just helped the magic happen but uh, it, it's nice. It's nice to listen to that now. I'm in like a much better place and look back and be like, hell yeah, I took that, 
turned into something awesome that he fucking rules. So I can just like look at that and have that as like a time capsule of like overcoming that shitty period in my life. One thing I've never really thought of until I'm hearing you talk about like, and the depressing thing, like the depression thing, like I remember like with American Nightmare lyrics and shit like that, like a lot, like, like trying to relate to them and stuff and like, like singing along and stuff. It makes me wonder, like when you write lyrics, like, do you ever think like, oh, I wouldn't want people like, like this is something that'd be weird for kids to sing along to or anything like that. Or like, does that thought ever come to your mind at all when you're writing lyrics? You know what I mean? Yeah. So sometimes for sure. Uh, there was a couple of lines on the EP where when I, cause I always send my lyrics to the group chat where I'm like, Hey, proofread these. Tell me if I sound like a douchebag or not. And um, there's been a couple of times where they're like, all right, buddy. Like there's one line on the EP where, uh, what is it? I say, uh, I fear my best days are behind me any worse and there won't be many. And I remember saying that to the group and they're like, are you good, man? Like what? So it's stuff like that a little bit where if someone's singing along to that in this show, I might be like, are you fucking like, are you cool, man? <laughs> but maybe, maybe a little bit. I, I think for me, it's just nice. Like when kids do sing along, because when we've had people singing along on tour and stuff, it was to the newer stuff. Um, it's just nice that it seems like that stuff clicks with people uh, just because that was like so genuine where like that was just, which I guess sounds a little corny or whatever, but it was just came from such a genuine place where I'm like, yeah, the stuff is sad. The stuff is sort of upsetting, but this is genuinely how I feel in the moment. So I don't know. In, in the energy of a hardcore show, I feel like energy is always really up. Everyone's always having a really good time where, yeah, you can say some depressing stuff, but it's all smiles. Like, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I guess at the same time, like, usually, like, most of the crowd at a hardcore show is usually coming from a, that kind of place, a lot of them anyways. So it's, it's sometimes, I guess, it's relatable content anyways, you know? Yeah, for sure. Even, so with the Meth Mouth EP, there was some of that sort of stuff on there, like, on, on Life Vice. There was, like, a couple, like, depressing songs or whatever. One of the tours we did late in summer 2016, we went out with Turncoat and Gator King and we did a full three weeks. That was our like headlining tour. And we went all the way out to California and back. And I remember there was one show, one or two shows where we were out in California and we were playing those songs and kids were like singing along to it. And like in the middle of the set, I sort of had this like epiphany where I was like, dude, I'm thousands of miles away from home. And like these kids, like I wrote these songs at, two in the morning in my bedroom in my shitty apartment with holes in the walls. And it's like, and now I'm all the way out here and kids are like, whether they relate to it or not, I guess isn't really definitive, but it's like kids listen to this and they care enough to like know it and to come out and like feel this way. So definitely, I, I feel like I, I do see it that way where I'm like, yeah, I went through some shit. I was able to put it down on paper and maybe you're someone that when you hear that, you relate that back to yourself and that fucking rules, you know? Uh, that's always been the shit that I love more than anything else of this. It's just like feeling like people click with that stuff. Yeah, it's nice that some things like sometimes you can write lyrics a way that can be interpreted interpreted a couple different ways too, so people can relate to it in different ways, you know. So sure, that's always nice too. Um, so I guess I think you kind of said it, but like the, the it sounds like the plans to kind of try to start writing a full length. Then, like if you had to kind of timeline something like that, like when do you think you guys would be? getting ready to try to gear up and go into the studio for something like that. I would like to have at least a single done before we go down and play this fest in August. Um, ideally, you know, behind the curtain, that should mean that we have four or five songs written and we just choose one that we want to be the single. 
So definitely the studio. If we can get in the studio by June, July, I'll be elated. Uh, we are sort of uh, now the tours. I feel like we put a lot off where we're like, oh, we'll do that after tour. We'll do that after tour. And now the tour is over. We're sort of scrambling to because uh, I've mentioned it a couple of times, but this EP was like by the fucking skin of our teeth. So we're sort of scram- we were scrambling then. I was scrambling a bit more now. Uh, so hopefully when things mellow out a little bit, hopefully by the summer, we'll at least have something, you know, whether it be a single or just something. So you guys got the, both the guitar players or your five piece now then, or? Yep. So we got the two guitar players now, right? So, which, which is nice because there's a lot of like lead stuff. So it's cool yeah. to have like a fuller sound. And that are, is everybody kind of contributing with ideas then, or is it still kind of just you and mainly the, the original, uh, Ron, uh, member contributing? So it's. Damon has been in it for such a short time that he sent a couple riffs to the chat and just like general ideas and stuff. We really haven't had a full practice since we got back from tour. So I'm sure he will. We're always very open to it. Uh, but even the show, we just played Buffalo uh, Saturday night. And even that was a fill-in. So we haven't really had full, well, it was a fill-in on drums. So we haven't had like a full, all of us in the same room since we got back from tour. Yeah, you know, I something I meant to put in the beginning of the notes for the interview because I did notice you were playing there on Saturday, and that was with uh, Perfect World and uh, what Slug from Cleveland. Yeah, Perfect World, Slug, and then Phased Out right from Buffalo, who was fucking awesome. Every band on that show ruled. Uh, it was just cool old house show. It was awesome, really good time. Yeah, there's been a lot of good shows in Buffalo lately. We got to Rochester's really got to step it up and kind of catch up with them a little bit. I mean, you guys in Syracuse have had some good ones lately too. But we haven't had yeah. we've had a few, but and we got integrity this weekend, I guess. So I can't really complain. Yeah, integrity. But... Wasn't uh that obituary show recently? That was in Rochester, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I lean more toward just like hardcore and shit. I don't get as into the metal stuff. So like I don't yeah, we have tons yeah, yeah. of metal shows here. Like if you like metal, there's always and I, I get into it to a certain extent, like, but for the most part, I, I get stoked like integrity's coming here this weekend, and there was there's some other ones, but Buffalo just seems like has had so much shit lately. I mean, they had like three shows last week. You know what I mean? Yeah, they had uh, that Missing Link show on, I believe it was last Monday. Yeah. And then Karma was like two days after that. Yeah, no, or, it was the next Yeah, day. Karma and uh, Dare. Yeah, there was a Yeah, oh, back. yeah. Next, like, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Buffalo's been real cool. It's um, Syracuse, too. Syracuse, like, obviously talked to Dylan, so I'm sure he talked about it. But there's that group of, like, those guys. There's a couple of younger dudes and stuff. They're like, those dudes bust their fucking asses on shows, man. Like all there's even there's a show happening right now in Camillus at the uh, town shop. Like those dudes always, always have shit coming, like going on. Then After Dark obviously has a lot of the bigger stuff. But uh, the fact that like these young kids are booking those giant New Year's shows, like even though the one this year unfortunately got canceled, like, dude, I probably booked three shows when I was a teenager and I was losing sleep over like $400 guarantees. Like I can't even fucking imagine what those kids deal with. Yeah, I booked a ton of shows back in the day. And and when I started doing this podcast during during the lockdown and everything, I, I was like, like waving the flag, like, oh, I'm going to be booking all these shows when the ship opens back up and this and that. And like you mentioned all the people booking shows, so I don't really want to compete with them. And then you mentioned the other the other red flag for me is like, I, like I, I couldn't really afford to lose money back then either. But now I got two kids. So I'm like, I definitely I can't pay bands out of my pocket. So it's like I, I'm so nervous yeah. about booking one, but I definitely want to. I don't know. I, I want to talk to people about doing something because it's it seems like there's just there's so much shit going on now. And like the whole reason you book there, shows there is, is like there's 
like for me anyways, like I booked them because there was bands that I wanted to see that weren't really coming through the area at the time. And now it's like, I kind of feel the same way. I want to kind of get the bands that I want to see in town more and, and have a hand. Sure. In, you know? So there is no worse feeling than when you book a show <laughs> and you're just sitting there waiting for people to show up and just no one's showing up. Yeah. The fucking worst feeling ever. Yeah. I could like even booking shows being on the band end of it, like hitting up promoters and trying to route a tour and stuff like that's enough of a nightmare for me. I could never do the whole promoter thing again. Yeah. I can remember. I don't, I don't know if you ever made it out to the Penny Arcade here, if that was still open, but I, uh, once or twice, yeah. yeah. That was like right when I started really going out to yeah. shows. I booked a bunch of shit there before, like back in the day. And I remember like pulling up to the show and just like having my fingers crossed that there would be like enough people there. And like sometimes there would and sometimes there wouldn't, you know, you just be waiting the whole time, like counting the the people that were there, like in your head, like, okay, I need this many more. And it's like, I want to enjoy the show, you know? So, yeah, and you can't, you really can't. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. So there's that's definitely gotta be happy medium there, I guess. Yeah, so that's pretty much what we got for topics, I think. Um, so I guess just kind of, again, like, what do you got coming up for the for the band? Like, obviously, I'll post uh, the links to the, to the you know, the band camp and whatnot in the show notes. And if you got, like, the Spotify. But is there anything else coming up you want to plug for the band or anything? Or uh, Right now, is, uh, the slingshot sort of pulled all the way back right now. There's nothing really in stone. But uh, definitely we're going to have some tours this summer, for sure. We've got that big fest in uh, Virginia Beach. So definitely some routing down to that, at least a few this summer. Hopefully talk of an LP later in the year. Um, we're just now sort of finishing up our victory lap after getting a second of grief out. So hopefully there'll be a lot to talk about. And hopefully we can get confirmed on that to be named cool Syracuse show. So I can at least post that along with the episode that goes up. But no, man, this is, this has been great. We've got some stuff going on. We're just trying to keep steady, you know, trying to keep steady, but also not have to fucking quit our jobs or anything. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. Um, well, yeah, no, I appreciate you taking the time to do the interview tonight. Um, any other like final shout outs or plugs you want to give or anything? Uh, I mean, it's really just everything I talked about before, man. Uh, Syracuse rules, fucking hardcore rules. Everything's great. Shows are in that awesome fucking sort of in that honeymoon period right now after COVID went away where everyone's actually stoked on shows again. It feels like when I was a fucking kid and people just go out and see bands, they don't give a shit who's playing. Uh, I guess all I want to say is just go to shows, don't sell out and fucking be cool. And that's it. <laughs> I think that's a, I think that's a very good way to, to end it. Um, so I want to thank uh, uh, Brandon for taking the time to do the interview. As always, I want to thank uh, Greg Benoit, Rob Antonucci, and Jim Byrne for helping with the podcast. Thanks to my family for all the support with the podcast. Uh, keep your eyes on the Instagram and the website for the next episode. Uh, see everyone real soon and stay safe.